computers. This is Intelligent Performance. Welcome to the Intelligent Performance Podcast, where we are fanatical about excellence in human endeavor. And today, we've got a special one with Rebecca Campbell, an author, a New York Times columnist, a AFR commerce and a professional business owner but also a professional data as she's sharing her stories and insights and lessons from what it was like to go on 138 dates in the pursuit of love and a lifetime partner she is so vulnerable with what she shares today and what she talks about in terms of her journey how business helped her on this dating journey but also how business got in the way and how she had to kind of rejig and rethink about her endeavors and her focus of being kind of outcome and goal orientated it is an amazing podcast today for anyone who's interested in what it's like and someone who's open to sharing about dating and what their experience has been but also someone who's looking for love or looking for exceptional kind of leaps and bounds and exponential improvements and perhaps in business as well because there's a lot of business lessons in here so really excited to share this with you let's dive straight in where i'd really love to start is actually so you're an expert now on dating. You could be considered a somewhat an expert when it comes to business. But tell me, what was it that kind of, why did you think to blend these two in terms of that kind of the approach you brought to your 138 dates that we'll, we'll touch on in a minute? Well, I mean, I'm a business leader, I guess. I started my own business and built a business and I wrote a lot about my business journey in a blog and then in a couple of newspaper columns. Um, and then I was asked to write a book. Um, about business and I started writing a book about business and then realized you know that I had a I think I had a much more valuable journey to to share which was my journey of finding a partner because my story is that I didn't date for a long time I was very focused on building a successful business and career I had a bit of grief from losing a partner earlier in my life but yeah I got to kind of 34 and had really thrown myself into my career and realized that what I wanted was a family and um, yeah, I had not been on a single date in ten years. <laughs> so, no, 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 unless I realized, unless I did something drastic, this was not going to you know, go the direction that I wanted. I wasn't going to end up, you know, getting what I wanted out of out of life. Yeah. So, oh, like I guess I had some success in business, and so I had an approach in business that had always worked for me. I, mm. that, I know that I'm not necessarily the smartest person or the most strategic person, but I'm very good at setting goals and then fulfilling that goal whatever it takes I'm like the most tenacious person <laughs> you'll probably ever meet and I'll get make mistakes and I'll learn and I'll improve things but uh, but I always seem to get there in the end so long as I keep going that's always been my kind of strategy and so I guess when it came to finding love I I just thought well I can do that in the context of business why not try that in the context of finding a partner oh yeah that sounds like a really curious strategy to bring to it so Obviously, this this podcast is all about performance and naturally intelligent performance. I'd be interested. To, what would be your take on that? How would you? What would your interpretation be of intelligent performance in the dating slash business domain? Do you think in that kind of blend? Sure. Well, in approach dating, I didn't have any experience in dating, obviously. So I only I only could use my business experience. And so, as I said before, I set goals at the beginning of the, each year for my career and I decided it was beginning of 2012 to set a goal for my kind of personal life and that goal well for my career I always set goals which I think of as output goals so as opposed to year I wanted to raise some money to do a startup and I decided that I, I was going to raise a million dollars that's an output goal right like it's not I'm going to present to 
100 people and hopefully one of them will invest. It's like, I'm going to raise that money no matter what. You know, I initially thought with dating that my output would be by the end of the year, I'm going to find a partner no matter what. And then I realized that that was just not the right, you know, that wasn't possible because what if I don't find someone? What if... What if I don't know how to build a relationship? You know, I'm not going to just kind of go your it just to meet the deadline. So, so mm. I just do input goals, which was I'm going to do things that I could control. So my input goals was I was going to do one date every week for a year. I was going to go and see a therapist and get advice and support along my journey. And also I thought I was going to do yoga and three times a week and buy new clothes. And there's a whole lot of kind of a, things that I thought to kind of I'll put my best foot forward on this on this journey. So then I kind of make my input goals. And then I did exactly what I what I have done in business. I just put myself out there. It was terrifying to get on all the dating apps and you know, as I had a little bit of a profile and I thought people are gonna laugh at me. (laughs) And I was scared of getting rejected. But just like when you do a startup, you know, you make you fail. I did fail and I got rejected and whatever, like all the things that you that you'd think might happen when you start dating but I started making notes about you know what had worked what hadn't worked um in terms of like <clears throat> messaging on apps or meeting people, where's the right place to meet people you know what are the right kind of conversations to have and I took advice from friends you know and and from the therapist just like I would in business from advisors and yep. then I refined my as I went I refined my strategy and, and refined my approach and yeah it was really hard, just like just like business. It was really hard. Well, I think it's interesting because having pitched businesses previously, and and you're a fan of a business. When you let's say you pitch to an investor, you're pitching something you love, but you're not necessarily pitching yourself. You're just mm-hmm. pitching a business idea. It could be a payment app. It could be whatever. So I feel like rejection in that context is a little different from when you're in a dating where it's literally very much like. Sorry, Rebecca, you're not the right fit for me. You know, that that's a very different type of rejection. So just in terms of resilience, did you find that resilience from business served you in good stead or was it actually a whole different kettle of fish given the nature of it? Yeah, you're right. It is, it is, you know, it is much harder because they're not rejecting, they're rejecting you. The advice that I there was one date I remember going on with someone who I thought was like really good looking and we had a great date and we kissed and I was so excited. And then he said, I'm gonna call you tomorrow and he and then he never called me again. And I was really gutted. And I went to see the therapist that week after sending way too many text messages that weren't replied. <laughs> <laughs> We've all done that for sure. Yeah. She said, she said, she gave me some great advice, which was you've got to think of yourself as a product, that you have your own kind of unique set of features, and that there is someone out there who is shopping for you. And it doesn't mean to say just because he didn't buy your product doesn't mean to say that there's anything wrong with the product it's just that you weren't the right fit for what he was looking for and that you don't need to change your product you just need to keep getting out there and find someone who is looking for for you and that really helped because then I thought okay I've just it's a numbers game I'm going to keep going and I'm going to find someone who's looking Mm. for me as opposed to like me trying to figure out you know what is it that the market wants and trying to adjust myself because that is not sustainable long term. If you're going to get married to someone, yeah, they have to actually like you. And so, and so, so yeah. But that did that took the sting out of it a lot actually. Because yeah. there were lots more that never called me back, and it was like, okay, well, they just weren't looking for me, and that's fine. I will find someone if um if I keep looking. And do you reckon actually, in hindsight, that's quite a good lesson in business? Like when you're pitching a product, is actually, or, or do you think that's the con- or do you think that's where it's different, where 
companies should evolve to the market or the market. Yeah. How do you think about that these days? I think I think that's a good point. I do think in business it is a bit different because if you're getting lots of rejections in business, you know, you can you can be you should be tenacious and keep going, but you also should, particularly if you're pitching to smart people and they're saying, no, this is this is not going to work. This is a bad strategy, or yeah, yeah. You, you should listen and and you don't necessarily want take on every piece of feedback because it's nothing to say that, you know, you might have a better knowledge of the market than that person. So you've got to have confidence in yourself, but yeah, you, you want, you want to listen to your customers and to other people who are, who have contributions to make. So yeah. That yeah. Is- interesting. So tell me you, the book talks about some of these incredible dates from basically you end up dating people from all across the world. I, when I was, doing the research on this, I was, there was two things. I was like, crikey, when you get to like 132 dates after yeah. you've been doing this for two years and whatever, you're well into your third year of this, surely there'll be a level of monotony and maybe you've refined your quote unquote pitch or, yeah. or present presentation, however you think about it, or, or perhaps the interview. I'm not sure. I'd be interested to understand the framing you, you took in to these discussions and how you kind of like didn't bring the baggage of those un. Hmm. 120 32 other yeah. unsuccessful to some degree meetings so is that bit and then i'd love to hear some of the stories like what were some of the advice you were getting as you got through to people i don't know what, what was the reactions you got did you you mentioned you engaged with some of the founders from canva and some other high profile business people and you kind of weave in these raising capital stories whilst you're also dating so tell us about what, what are some of the kind of standouts for you in that in that journey and how did you navigate you know, date 132 and you've had 131 of not, not great. Sure. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things. There's the, I mean, firstly, like I have this kind of personality trait, which is that I'm pathologically optimistic, which is like something that is kind of a strength and a weakness in business because, you know, you think that you can achieve more than you, than you can, you can which is good because it means that you start things, but it's mm. bad because you, you know, you end up, things take much longer than you might have not set realistic expectation but I think I never gave up hope I think that I was going to find a partner and I also always kept in mind that finding a partner was would be I always believed much more valuable than anything I could create in my business or in my career because I imagine myself at age 80 looking back on my life and imagining that I had created a real partnership and you know love and a family and then you know (laughs) That is so much more valuable than than any kind of career journey that I could go on. And and knowing that meant that I was never going to give up. I at least want to be able to say to that 80-year-old me that I had given it everything because I recognized how important it was. So there wasn't really, there was never a time where I decided, thought I was going to stop. In terms of the advice that I got, like there was a lot of advice from, from, from different people. There was probably in the dating side was more things that I worked out for myself. Oh, maybe the, ther- the therapist in terms of dating was was helpful. I mean, some of her advice was just to remember that the other person who's arriving at a date is just as nervous as you and also has kind of hopes and be really to be empathetic and not to judge. Yeah. So yeah. not to kind of sit down and ask questions and, you know. And I, I learned that a first date, for example, is about having fun. And um you want someone to walk away from a first date going, I had a great time and I can't wait to see that person again. It's mm. not about trying to get them to, um, you know, have they, have they ticked. It's not about me checking whether they um, fit mm. the criteria. Mm. Um, 
I learned a lot about what I was looking for. So I started out on my, when I, when I wrote down my goals, my next thing on my sheet was well, what kind of partner am I looking for? And the three things I thought about was smart, tall, and fun. Okay. <laughs> and, and then you know, I learned things like, you know, there was one date I went on early where the guy said, oh, I usually only date blondes and I never date anyone over 35. And like, it made me really like it. This guy's a total jerk. But that I was being a jerk for having tall as one of my preferences. And that, you know, that is just like hair color or age or, you know, any other kind of, it's just, just superficial. And so, yeah, I removed that as, as something that I was looking for. And then smart and fun. There were many men that I met that were smart and fun, but not nice. And then I realized right. that being caring, someone who cared about me and that was reliable was actually much more important than mm. it was smart and fun. Sure, you want to have interests in common and be able to have good conversations. Mm. Part of a relationship is someone who cares about you and who has good values. And knows when you're having a family, who's, who's going to be reliable, a reliable partner. Change that criteria. And then when I you know, did book does have a happy ending, so I'll give that spoiler away. <laughs> there was a lot of grief. I, my first partner was very sadly um, killed in a car accident a long time earlier, but I kind of carried that with me throughout, you know, it was kind of, I use it as an excuse, but I also was kind of holding on to that person and I had to really let go of that grief in order mm. to, not grief, because you can never really let go of grief, but but I guess stop talking to that person as as, as if they were kind of there uh, and, and create space for someone else to come in. And so that was something that, um, yeah, I think opened the, the space for me to be able to actually meet my partner. Mm. And would, that that piece, you know, you sh- you share very vulnerably a- about you know that that the passing of that of that character or that person in the in the book, and what was that? When did that? I'm interested to know when did you realise that actually that was that was a key component which needed to shift? Okay, we're in the we're in the journey. If if that makes sense, was it very early on and you, you kept coming up, or was it more towards the end that you were like, oh wow, this is really a kind of a hurdle at this point, or getting in the road? No, like I always believed that that was my one true love, and that I had stuffed it up, and then he had been lost, and that I just basically needed to find someone to kind of carry me through the next phase of life, <laughs> whatever happens after you die. But um, yeah, that obviously, yeah, didn't realize that that was holding me back ever I don't think until the book. but I definitely um when there's a point in the book where I where I was was told by a friend to let go and to yeah that there isn't kind of a I don't know yeah, there was a there was a point where I was where a friend suggested that I let go and I remember consciously choosing to let go and I didn't choose to let go in order to make space it just so happened that after that moment at the next the very next date you know rod showed up and it was it was a, it was a connection there so i don't oh. know if it was a coincidence or but yeah it wasn't it wasn't definitely wasn't conscious yeah okay so one thing which really stands out to me about not only this you know this endeavor in terms of sharing so openly about 138 dates and and the quote-unquote judgment which might show up from people around whether that's a big number or a small number whatever that is and just the openness and the vulnerability you demonstrate I'd be interested to understand what's your take on vulnerability. How is that? How have you thought about that? In many ways, your you know the New York Times column that you had, a lot of that stemmed from incredible vulnerability as an entrepreneur. Talking in particular, you mentioned that about just before we got on about your revelation that you lie as an entrepreneur and and what's the impact of lying of entrepreneurs globally. 
Like, what's your take on vulnerability these days? Because, like, do, do you, that sounds like you share stuff which most people wouldn't dare to talk about. Yeah. Well, look, I I was a very closed person for a really long time. I was very concerned about what other people thought of me. And I remember going to this, um, it was like a landmark forum thing, which is like a slightly odd, you know, <laughs> thing. It's like a personal development course. But basically what happens is there's a leader at the front and then people get up and share their stories based on whatever it is that the leader's talking about. And I sat in the back the whole time, so I would never have shared anything. But I remember noticing the people at the front who shared something vulnerable. I remember thinking, gosh, I really like that person. And I really wanted to meet them afterwards. And I really wanted them to do well. And then um, I think something at some point just clicked and I decided to let go of trying to have a hold a barrier up to the world and that it would be much more effective. If I wanted to build connections with, you know, friend, at that stage it was just about friendships um, and people that I worked with, then I needed to, I guess, completely flip my model and be open about what I was struggling with or is it allowing people to help you is a um, is how you kind of part of how you form, form connection and then when I started writing my blog I was writing mainly about business and then I would occasionally write something personal and then I just noticed that the personal stories were the ones that got shared like <laughs> as opposed to the you know something that I wrote about user testing which like a handful of people yeah. would read yeah. comment on and then I just yeah, yes I noticed well, that really works and also there was not really anyone else doing that so I just did more of it and people seemed to get something out of it. And that made me feel, it made me feel like I was contributing value to the world. And it felt, it also made me feel like I was connecting with people. I was being known and that, that sense of being known was really nice. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, the more scared that I was to post each column or blog, the better they would do. Wow. Like, <laughs> the New York Times one, sometimes I would sit up at night going, oh my God, I can't believe I said that. And then then I'll get a note from the editor going, we're already at 100 comments, we have to shut it off. <laughs> okay, well, this has meant a lot to people. So, so yeah. So, yeah, I think I also sometimes I think I was very scared to put the book out there because that was even way more vulnerable than anything that I'd shared yeah. in my columns. Um, that was probably like the most scary thing I could possibly share, which usually means that it's going to be valuable to people. Yeah. I, I tried to just imagine that, you know, one day we are all going to be old and in wheelchairs and bony and wrinkled. Like that's if we're lucky, right? You get to be in an old person's home and like, like lose your mind and things. But, uh, and at that stage, nobody's going to care. No one's going to laugh at you know, whatever you did. They're just going to remember. Hopefully there'll be one. I thought if there was one woman out there that has having a similar experience to me and that wants to find love, and that's really important to her. If she reads this book and learns something, then it will be worth it because I think that what I've you know, managed to do in creating a family is just so valuable. And if I can help her get that too, then that's like, it's all worth it. Mm. So, yeah. so the- amazing. <laughs> it sounds like vulnerability and, you, and I think you're right. It's definitely what I find. It's like, it's always super scary. I was presenting at a, a training yesterday and I was just, just being open about my experience of what it's like to be in front of people and to, to train others and to contribute and, and the risk you take or the noise you notice in your in your head, you know, a lot of it is about ignoring that or or not. Yeah, just just noticing and you're like, okay, I'm just gonna keep going, even though, you know, I'm like worried or, you know, what people are thinking to think or something like that. So yeah. it sounds like you've taken vulnerability and really made it and turned it into something actually you realize it's the way you connect, actually. So 
you've achieved a quite significant uh, business success. I'm intrigued. You talk a lot about value and how relationships, parenting, having family are far more valuable than perhaps material success. I'd be interested to understand how you've navigated that kind of that conundrum. Is it because you've achieved a certain level of business success that you've, or have you always seen that you can't equate, you know, that little bubba or whatever it is, that's a whole different ballgame. How do you think about that? Um, I guess when I was having, I mean, I'm out of business for, for five years now, really. And I didn't have a massive business success. We had some business success. Um, but I was pretty unhappy. Right. Um, yeah, I was just working really hard. Not that there's anything wrong with working really hard, but I was also working hard not for not for something that I, that I, I started the business with a very different idea in mind of what I was trying to do. And then, but it wasn't really clear because I started in 2011. It was very early in the kind of startup ecosystem. There wasn't the same kind of examples that you have now of, of founders that I would have, would have probably learned a lot from had I, had I been starting a bit later. But I started with one idea and then it didn't quite work. So I raised some money. So I pivoted and then did something else and then pivoted again and pivoted again, kept raising money, merged with another couple of companies. And in the end, I was like, it was 2000 and I had a baby in 2016. Um, my, my first and and still in the business kind of came back to work almost straight away and worked really hard just that year and then there was a point it was the end of that year I remember it was like day in November I'd flown to Melbourne and so the company's called Hey You which is an app to order in cafes and restaurants and I was pitching Hey You to this I think it's the Woolworths pub group and trying to explain to them how they could make more they would sell more drinks if they could make it easier for people to buy food in their pubs. And I was like, I'm sure be going home and then my, my baby at home. And it's just like, did I really use that day to the, like, you only get a certain number of days on earth. And I was, I was like, whatever it was, the 16th of November, 2016, did I use that day? You know, the best of my kind of skills and talent. Am I proud of how I used that day? And I just was like, I wasn't. And that was when I knew I had to get out of that business and, and, and that kind of led to the path of writing the book and thinking about, well, what is my purpose in life? What value might what value am I adding? If I'm away from my family who I love so much, I want to be creating something of value in the world which I can be proud of. So I think that, yeah, I think of value in terms of happiness, and I also think of value in terms of what what yeah, what I feel like I'm contributing. Mm-hmm. And the material stuff, I don't like you don't need very much. I, like I'm not a particularly interested in fancy things like I'm really yeah. into my clothes I don't know I'm just not that <laughs> not into that kind of stuff so for me it's like yeah. you know, we have enough we have a beautiful family and I just want to spend the rest of my time trying to create some value in the world oh lovely I think it's um it's a very contrarian view actually these days where I think with a lot of us speak for myself here in particular is like you know you get caught up in something else and you start to wonder it's a bit like a wedding like we went to weddings recently it's like people were doing stuff in a wedding which no one really understands why we're doing it anymore. Like it was so, it was such a bizarre, I was emceeing this wedding and there was a couple who there, they were like, what do we do around cutting the cake? And they're not religious, you know, and everyone's looking at each other like, I don't know, what do we do now? Because, and it's this very weird thing that you're kind of playing out a ceremony, which people don't really understand, but it's kind of like what everyone does. And I feel like life in some regards is sometimes a bit like that. You end up playing a role in a life, which you didn't really think about design. And you're like, why am I doing this? What? What's the essence here? I think from your looking back, you know, you've done, and one thing I wanted to touch on just in a second is really about what are some of the kind of the best dates that you went on, or maybe, and I say best being most memorable, and that could be maybe because there's some of the worst in a second, but like, how's your, 
is that value perspective change or did the did the journey of all those dates start to confirm that you know, this really is the most important thing for you? I think I recognized that it was how important it was from the beginning. I mean, that what I was looking for changed that the value of, you know, finding someone kind, that that was the most important thing. Yeah, that that definitely changed as I met people. Mm. Someone who I dated for a while from San Francisco, who was very smart and very fun and um but it was just not nice at all. It was quite mean to me. And and it was just this is just the recognize at that point, you know, you've got to look for someone who's who's kind. And I thought back to other relationships. Sometimes I, I've done a couple of um, courses where I've taught people, I've kind of packaged what I've learned and turned it into a course for mm. finding relationships. And one of the exercises that I do with people is to think about other relationships who you think who you who you think are great. They might be your friends or they might be, you know, people that you've seen and celebrities or whatever, but often they're people who you know or family members. But it's their, what is it? And then and I get you to go, you like that, you like their relationship. What is it about their relationship that you like? And usually they'll write things down like um, they're always there for each other. They're very committed to each other. They help, you know, supportive of each other's development. And, so, and those are the kind of like, they're like, okay, right. Well, that's actually what you value in a relationship. You don't value tall. You value someone who's there for you, who's going to help mm. you. Who's always going to, is going to be committed to you. And so, um, so yeah, that definitely changes as I went along the journey. Yeah. Amazing. So let's touch on then kind of biggest takeaways, most memorable, funniest, whatever they might be. What are the kind of the highlights for you on this, in this journey? And then I'd love to finish with, what do you think, what are the key takeaways that you want people the readers, the people who engage with this, what are you trying to get them to take away from these kind of the most memorable things that, that you've shared? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say there was a lot of highlights, to be honest. It definitely wasn't a massively enjoyable experience. Right. I'd be lying if I said that it was fun. And so okay. you're dating and you're serious about finding. I mean, if you're dating and you just want to have fun and go out and, you know, hook up people, whatever, I was definitely never... That was not what I was there for. I was there to find a partner. And therefore, you know, I had my heart kind of out there every date and my hopes and, and it was hard. It was really, it was pretty hard and it wasn't fun. Um, But yeah, (laughs) you just got to keep going. I think, Mm. I mean, there was a, there's lots in there in terms of like what I would like people to take out of it without going through kind of every lesson. I mean, I think vulnerability we talked about before is actually really important that, that, relationships are formed when people are able to contribute to you in some way so it means you can't kind of rock up at a date being like you know you want to be confident in yourself but if you are just like I am awesome I have everything together in my life and I'm like don't even need a partner then the the, the other person will be or there's not anything I can contribute to this person so it's very hard to connect with that person and so that's something a mistake that I see that, that I made but also that I see other people making and they think you know they don't, not, it's not about changing yourself, but it is about being a bit vulnerable and a bit, you know, mm. afraid of this. Or, um, I think so. Some of the advice that I got from friends, which you talked about earlier, I mean, one was from my friend Madeline, um, gave me some really good advice about when you find someone that you want to create a relationship with, what's like, what's something that she sees people doing wrong, and that was to keep questioning whether they're the right person or not. And mm. that's the point where you just have to choose. And you go, I choose this person forever. And there is no such thing as a perfect soulmate. Like where, every, you know, there's one, people think that there's 
one person, if they just keep looking, they'll find that person who will make everything perfect. Like that person does not exist. You have to find someone who's kind, who is like committed and who can build a relationship with you, who you can have some, you know, some fun, you might have some shared interests, have some fun with, but you're in this life together. And then you choose them and you make it work. And you don't constantly go, oh, well, you know, every time you have an argument or that, which everyone has arguments, <laughs> no one is perfect. It is always going to be conflict but you can't think maybe there's someone else that's better. You just have to go, I have chosen and I've chosen this person forever and I'm going to figure out how to make this work as opposed to thinking about the next person. So I think like that just choose is a very powerful idea, which, um, yeah, you found someone, you look like a good person mm. choose and be done and make it work. And they've got to have the same mindset. Yeah. It's very, um, that's a really tricky thing. I, I know, my um I was sharing a story just yesterday. I had a mentor and just met my girlfriend at the time and he said, Wow, she's gorgeous, she's amazing. And he said, What are you waiting for? Yeah. And it really stumped me that whole question. Cause it's like, what am I waiting for? You know, and it was the question of doubt. It's the question of like if, you know, maybe if I wait a bit longer, there's someone better, whatever that better is, you know, better looking. I don't know, that kind of it's always that kind of question, right? And it, I think it happens in life, doesn't it? What are you waiting for? You know, often about making a business decision, buying a product, hiring a staff member, whatever. It's always that kind of like, and then that concern about where you go from, when I, well, I how I answered that question was like, I, I don't know what I'm waiting I don't know what I'm waiting for. And then that afternoon I got engaged and we got married. So we're like, <laughs> yeah, like that. So like, it was really, it was really profound, you know, that, that whole waiting, that whole choice part. It's bloody difficult, I'd say, to get through that. But I think when you do, and especially when it's when you've got kids, and all of a sudden you're not you're not just dating now, you're parenting. Like it's a whole different ball game in that in that choice perspective. Just from have you found you know you've been successful? And I love the the end to your book. I won't spoil it, but you end up meeting a wonderful wonderful man, an academic by the sounds of things. How's that played out? Like what have, what's changed now? You've gone from the you know the dating, which is rejection central to a very different skill set for in the inner relationship now what's what are the kind of the what's what have you changed your mind on from that regard or, or what how have you had to evolve because it really is a bit more like you know what the market is now you know <laughs> <It's all> like, <laughs> yeah what's changed from that perspective uh well i think we just choose things powerful so we still we we are falling down every so often and and it's just we work out well, what do we need to do here there's never a question is this person going to leave or am i going to leave there's just not even even crosses your mind because you've chosen both very clear that we've chosen and we worked it out. So that's that has changed um not only my kind of that that's personal relationship, but I also take that into work now. Um when I was younger building the business, I would often move on from people way too fast. Like, you know, if I had an accountant, for example, and that accountant made a mistake, I would my first thing would be, I need a new accountant. Mm. Lawyer made him, I need a new lawyer. Or this person I've hired isn't isn't able to or hasn't done a good job on this particular thing. Like you in my mind, I'm like, okay, how am I going to move them on? And I need someone else. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes there will be times we have to do that, but but by far the majority of the time, you know, that, that person that you've hired, there isn't anyone necessarily better sitting out there. You just have to choose, you've chosen that person. You can build a really strong relationship and turn that person, you know, over time, that person can become a you know. Having a long-term relationship and long-term context of each other, I think is a massive asset that's kind of, I undervalued 
um, until I realized that the, the powerful, and I think part of it was getting to 40 and going, looking at my friends as some of them in business who had had relationships with their accountants and lawyers for 20 years and yeah. like knew each other intimately and just seeing the value in that and trust and that those people would do anything for them. And, you know, like I hadn't, I had built that with some people, but not, not nearly enough. So yeah, investing in those long-term relationships and not moving on from them. Mm. Um, I think you mentioned the Canva founders before. So I started my company at the same time as them and we had some of the same first investors. Right. So I got, obviously they did much better than me, but. Um, yeah, they've done better than pretty much anyone. <laughs> but they're incredibly, they are incredibly lovely people. And, uh, and so I got to spend some time with them and, and they gave me some advice and they have an amazing, you know, obviously personal relationship as well as professional relationship. But one thing I took from them was, was thinking about the future and creating the future together. So, you know, talking about five years time, what's the vision for your, for the business or for your relationship. And so that's something that Rod and I do now that we really, we we're always thinking five years ahead, where do we oh. want to, yeah, what's our, what's our vision? And then you're creating this, you're creating it together. And I think that, yeah, creating a shared reality, I reckon is actually part of the process of falling in love. Like love is not a, um, surge of feelings love is building a shared reality over time and shared history and so yeah i definitely take that talking about the future and planning the future together we we try to do that regularly i love that and it's a really lovely place to probably bring this conversation to a close rebecca and i um yeah i actually just want to salute your vulnerability your willingness to put yourself out there i think it's incredibly admirable it's very hard to do and and, you know, you open up yourself to judgment, especially in a world where yeah, feedback or perspectives are shared so freely and can be very nasty in the, in the kind of technological world. I think yeah, it takes huge courage. And I think the book that you've written, so it's 138 dates, it's available now, and we'll put the link in the description. It's yeah, it's a very different take, I think, and it's, it's a very vulnerable step, which I think a lot of people can take from. I've certainly just enjoyed reading the synopsis and getting to understand the book in more detail. And then, um, yeah, thank you, Rebecca, for, for being so courageous. It's one of the traits which I admire most in people because it's it's actually how you make a difference in the world. So, yeah, thank you. And, um, yeah, I really appreciate you sharing your story on uh, on today. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me.